This is Strange Assembly episode 264, Magic the Gathering Core Set 2020. I'm Chris Stevenson, and I'm here today with Mike Cook. Hey! This is a Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. Long-time listeners may be a bit shocked at the title of this episode, because I guess I've crossed a Rubicon of sorts, and actually have done stuff with magic cards again. God, God save us all, Mike. God save us all. Well, I mean, I preceded you by about a year or so, maybe two years, year and a half, something like that. So, welcome, I guess. <laughs> yes, so I, I had always said that, oh, I'll probably end up stopping playing Legend of the Five Rings when like my uh, one of my kids got into Pokemon. That, that was my guess. And now, it turned out that I stopped competitively playing L5R for reasons unrelated to that. And I did have a kid who I probably would have gotten into Pokemon if I thought that Pokemon, the card game, was a good game. But look, if you like playing Legacy Magic, that is basically high-level Pokemon. Y- yes, it is. So, so completely unrelated to the topic of the episode, the, the, the actual, the main issue that I have with Pokemon as a card game is that when you have a little kid, which is a significant part of the audience audience for Pokemon, right? And what I have. So Mm -hmm. I have an eight-year-old is the relevant age we're talking about here. The five-year-old's not to this sort of stage. What they want to do is play Pokemon cards and beat each other up with them, like the Pokemon battle, like, you know, what you think about when you think of Pokemon. But that's not how the Pokemon card game works at any kind of competitive level. Right? It's it's all about, like, combos and trainer cards and tutoring, and it just has... It's a mean game. Like it's it's like uh, okay here's my thing I've got it fully powered up turn two now it's gonna be knocking out you know one of your Pokemon and one of your Pokemon on your bench every turn. So it is a game that what you do to win is not what is fun for the relevant right. target audience for me. So that did not catch on super well. But I am a Magic player from from way back in the day. And just for reference, I I looked this up and I said so. Prior to Magic Core 2020, the last time I played in an organized play event for Magic the Gathering was a Time Spiral release event. Jeez. So I hope fall, you love those cards. Some of them? All right. But I, right, I've always had this continued affection for Magic. I had just bowed out of as a thing. But I, right, I continued to listen to Rosewater's Drive to Work. I, I read Rosewater. Now, I because it better suits with my time, I don't really get to read it that much, but I listen to the podcasts, or most of them, to the podcast episodes. And then we, we've done stuff like, I had the Arena of the Planeswalkers game, like the sort of modified, magic-themed Heroescape. Oh, right. The miniature, the little miniatures game. Yep. And then also recently we got Heroes of Dominaria, which is a Euro game with a magic theme on it. But the big one is the Arena of the Planeswalkers. And the reason why that is big for my story is that that was something that I was able to play with my eight-year-old and was rather enjoyed by my eight-year-old. And that then combined with something that also happened to Magic, which I I mean, I was well aware of, but something that had happened to Magic while I was out, which was Planeswalker cards, right? So Arena of the 
Planeswalkers has these specific Planeswalker miniatures, and then the card game has these Planeswalker cards, and they do exactly what they are supposed to do, which is give people characters to be fans of and get excited about. Right. Right? So, you know, the eight-year-old is very big on the Planeswalkers and likes this one or likes that one, and... So I had started. I started buying dual decks. That like, oh, we can buy these planes. You can buy dual decks. The instead of intro packs right now, or yeah, I don't. I don't even know when the last time was they made dual decks. But right now they have the planeswalker decks. Oh my gosh! Right, it's a pre-made deck with a big fancy shiny planeswalker on the front of it. Just perfect yep. for this sort of thing. And you know, you can tell yourself, ah, oh, well, you know, this is like fifteen bucks, whatever, for one deck, not a problem. Right. So we kind of like missed out on War of the Spark, and though I now feel this like horrifying desire to wonder, should I go back and like buy a box or something, you know, and then maybe try to like, you know, get some more Planeswalkers, or probably, I guess a better idea would just be to, I don't know, like go through somebody's singles to get every random one that's not a Mythic Rare. But the eight-year-old's favorite Planeswalker out of all of the Planeswalkers is Chandra who, if you've been around any sort of game shop, you may have noticed is featured rather prominently in the Magic the Gathering Corset 2020 product. And so this weekend was pre-release weekend for 2020, and so I've now broken my 13-year drought of playing in a Magic organized play event. And broken it very badly i see playing in the event okay that's okay like we got buying the planeswalker decks oh all right that's that's one thing shoveling a bunch of money at uh ultra pro for you know all of their chandra themed sleeves and box and binder and all that but you know what the you know what the 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 scary thing is mike you know what the scary thing is i bought oh i have no idea a box oh okay where did it go i bought a box I just, I, it's just a box of randomized, like, I, I don't know, it's, it's, I, I don't know what's going to happen now, Mike. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> well, maybe you like it and hopefully you enjoy it. I already like it. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 the, that's, it's the whole, I, I don't have the time to be good at magic is the thing. I don't, but. 2020, the individual singles are pretty low it's like i think a lot of things are getting undervalued or can't be properly valued because people don't know what the standard looks like until archery the set in the fall comes out because there's Mm -hmm. so much stuff that rotates out the metagame is going to be not completely different but heavily impacted just the fact that lana war elf will likely be leaving is it's a very big thing so and magic has a whole bunch of introductory you've never done magic before kinds of things that you can do now. I mean, it gets a bit samey if you you know, so you don't want to like go and get all of these different ones. But like, you can get the welcome decks. Yeah, those are free. I, I don't know how, about the deck overall, but the new planeswalkers for like three or four sets now, they've made the planeswalker decks, uh, planeswalkers, pretty close to playable. Like they're still expensive enough. They probably aren't, but like they're not terrible. The new Soren is pretty crazy. From a game market point of view it is kind of interesting because something that they so another thing that they do now that they did not do when i was around is that there are functionally distinct cards that 
are tournament legal and that are not available in normal packs. Yeah. There's buy a box promos. Yep. Is probably the biggest one. But yeah, the, the Planeswalker decks, they have I guess they have some cards in them that are reprints that are then tournament legal, but I mean they're just reprints of stuff that, that's Correct. been around for a while. But yeah, the the Planeswalker I I actually did not realize this when we started getting the Planeswalker decks was yeah that the Planeswalker in the Planeswalker deck is only available in the Planeswalker deck. Which has the odd side effect, as you're kind of hinting at, is that those cards basically can't be good. Because the instant that the Planeswalker that is in one of the Planeswalker decks is really good, then people will just go and go crazy trying to get that one Planeswalker deck for purposes of using it in tournament play. Well, they can't, they can't be universally good. They can't be well, just, I don't, they can't be mind sculptor, right? But nothing can really be mind sculptor. But I mean, like, please the, no. Uh, <laughs> but the, 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 the Dovin deck from either guilds or uh, whatever the second set for guilds was, mm-hmm. Ravnica or Legions, it was actually played in a Dovin deck, like, like an actual legit Dovin deck. It wasn't tier one or anything, but it was like, you could take it to a tournament, it would be fine. But you know, it, it's fifteen dollars for the or ten dollars or fifteen dollars or whatever you get it for for that deck, and you're just basically getting one card. So that's really not you know, it, it's basically the same value. Ten dollars is more than what that set Stoven really went for. I'm just saying they used to be unplayable. Like even if you're in a Planeswalker deck, like why did I spend bother spending? I get. You know, they always have a card that tutors it up, and you look at it, you're like, why am I spending six mana on this? It literally does nothing. <laughs> or, or next to nothing. No, the new ones are good. They protect themselves. Like I said, that Soren one, if you can actually ultimate him, just says all your vampires this turn gain tap, gain control of a creature. Not until the end of turn, just gain control of a creature. In those type of decks, like, that just means you win. The Planeswalker deck versions of them seem to have a lot of tribal-focused yeah. stuff, like Chandra's elementals and Soren is vampires. Well, that's true that they're, they're full versions, too. Yeah, yeah, Chandra, yeah, like the mythic Chandra. So we went and we played in 2020, and like I, in in the pre-release, and like I said, Magic is fun, right? That is mm-hmm. one of the, the nice things about that, and one of the reasons why I talked about Pokemon like that at the beginning is because Magic is very aware of the issue that I mentioned with with Pokemon, not not that they're aware of it specifically about Pokemon, but people will play whatever is good. And yeah. so one of your design objectives for a CCG or a really any kind of competitive tournament kind of game is that you want to be able to line things up so that what is good is also fun. This started back when I was playing Magic and has only continued. Like, right, creatures are way better than they used to be because they went down and they said things like, okay, Chris, we get how entertaining you find the notion of locking a game down until you can jester's cap your opponent's entire deck out of existence, but that's miserable (laughs) for everyone else. So we don't want to design this game so that that is a good deck that you will actually try to play in a tournament, you know? There's always a a struggle there. I mean, it's not like because they want controlly things to be out there, right? Like right. that's a legitimate thing to be in the the meta. It's just a question of keeping it in in check. So 
so so a big part of that is I, I think the comparison that I kind of have to to, to Pokemon is like the, just creatures are so much better than they used to be, right? The, right? the game is it's not that you can't play counter spells and card drawing and controlly stuff. And sometimes, right, and like it's a competitive thing, so you know, it's always a question of how much do they hit on the balance, and they want that to be part of the thing out there, but it is a game where mostly you have creatures, and like that is what a lot of people like. And big stuff, like there used to be there right there are the psychographics, like Timmy Tammy and a spike and all that, and, and really I think that kind of ended up with this like inherent categorization back in the day that like Timmy Tammy was just like a bad player because what they like best is playing with big giant creatures and back in the day that was just how you lost. I like right. your opponent would kill you before you could do anything or they would just counter or control or whatever every single giant overcosted thing that you you played and bigger creatures actually can be a thing now and yep some of it's stuff like you know you've long known about like <laughs> like because I think this happened back when I was was still playing. Like at some point, they pulled Sarah Angel out because it was too good, and then by the time they brought Sarah Angel back, it was unplayably bad. Uh, <laughs> and they downshifted it to uncommon. Oh, wait, no, it, was it always uncommon? It was always an uncommon. It was always an uncommon. Well, or it started out as an uncommon. I I couldn't guarantee you that it never got printed as a rare, but it started out as an uncommon. But the other one that amused me in specifically in Corset 2020, and again I. This was something that I was already aware of, but this particular creature just really emphasized it was, do you remember back when they got rid of flying, like they wouldn't reprint flying men or stuff like that, because a 1-1 flyer for one was just too good, which really was always kind of silly. But there is a card in Magic 2020 that is a 1-1 flyer for one with flash. Yep. And a card drawing ability. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So it's it's yeah, it's it's not just that okay, yeah, one one I mean one one a one one flyer is again it's the same kind of thing. A one one flyer, just vanilla, is a bad card. I mean it's not even a good card in limited, I don't think, at least. Well, then there was mono blue, which that was what it thrived off of. Basically they just play one mana creatures and they slap curious obsession or two on it, and then they have protection spells. And then they just hit and get card advantage and are actually doing damage to you. It's like, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting here and my, uh, with my eight-year-old trying to be like, can we go ma- play Magic again today? He's, he's like, and they're like, oh, so can we only play in one pre-release? And I'm like, well, I mean, each store around here usually has six of them on pre-release weekend, but that doesn't mean we're going to six of them. Right. <laughs> But uh, I I don't know. Magic uh, has made great inroads in in my house lately. But I also have, you know, no earthly clue what I'm talking about from a a specific thing. I mean, I can say, like, broad design things like, hey, like, like they continue to not let you, like, random discard is gone, land destruction, I mean, ages ago, effectively still gone. You know, it's it's the sort of good design principles you know, have kept the game fun, but you've been back in the game a little bit longer. You, you know, have actual tournament knowledge, which I have nothing. Let's be be clear here. I could not tell you what a good magic deck is right now at all. 
Not even a little bit. I guess I know enough to tell my kid, like, you know, you probably shouldn't just have a 120-card pile, that kind of thing. Right. Get it down to 60. Okay, I'm in a little bit more advanced than that, but still, not a much. But So what are your thoughts about 2020 from a more advanced point of view, Mike? I think it's a really interesting set, but like I said, it's in a weird spot because it's the last set before rotation. And so what it print, uh, what it reprints and what it adds is really interesting. It's way more advanced for a core set than I was kind of expecting. There's a lot of really cool, interesting cards. I think it's really going to shake up a lot of stuff. Chandra Tribal seems like a really, really good deck. All of the Chandras are somehow good. Risen Reef seems too good, but also not good enough to ban. So that's going to be really weird to see. A functional reprint of Coiling Oracle, well, not quite functional reprint, but basically a card that does what Coiling Oracle did is an interesting thing to put back in the meta, and Chain Whirler would be the big thing that kind of is the pressure against that deck is going to be leaving in the fall, because a, a lot of the elementals only have one toughness, and Chain Whirler, obviously, if people haven't played in a while, is a three-mana creature, a red, 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 for a 3-3 three, three first-striking goblin that when it comes into play does one damage to all of your opponent's creatures, planeswalkers, and them. So it can just be a board wipe on, like, a very good body for three. So, have, you know, losing all of your mana dorks and or all of your elementals against that can just be kind of backbreaking, uh, especially since that card used, uh, is usually played in faster decks or more aggressive decks. But I generally really like the theme. Th there are uh, quite a few cards I'm just like, did, did they mean to print this this way? This seems like a little too good i'm just kind of waiting for something to be a little bit too pushed they're like oh well this isn't that bad and then kind of forget about it when they print another set but then you look at the cavaliers and the cavaliers all feel a little unpushed like they're not but they're just not as big as like the titans were when the titans released way back in 2012 or whatever they were so i don't know i think it's going to be really interesting i think the meta for this is going to look a lot different once all of those other sets rotate out which I am, I think a lot of people are ready for and are ready to welcome. But it's usually the case, right? Once you've sat with cards for two years that have dominated the meta, you're like, please, God, anything else. Yeah, well, didn't they, at one point, they pushed the standard environment down to 18 months, effectively, of cards instead of two years and people flipped their lid? Yeah, and, you know, at first I was like, for me, I'm always like, for a long time, I was flickering in and out of Magic, uh, putting a flicker effect on myself, where I would come back into it like every other set or something and be like, oh man, I don't want to have to go back to those other sets and get them. I like the idea for 18 months. But now that I've been more steadily in it, especially thanks to Arena, like I see all these cards that are going to be rotating out, and I'm like, oh man, this, you know, that kind of stinks. They have another place for it, thankfully, especially in Arena. But two years feels about right. It's enough time to play with it, but not enough time that it's going to just be like, I don't want to play Magic because this card's been around for three years and dominating everything. They are pushing out a lot. I mean, like I guess right, it feels like the uh, core, core 2020 came out in July, but like Modern Horizons came out in June. Yep. Another commander said, I mean, this is that's a boutique product, right? But uh, there's another set of commander decks comes out in august and it wasn't that long before modern horizons that war of the spark was out right right it was basically three months of like non-stop previews I, I think a lot of why that felt more so 
was because War of the uh, sorry Modern Horizons instead of just being a normal modern reprint set was hey we have new cards so people actually had to pay attention not only to what they were reprinting but also what they were you know adding to the modern environment uh, which is not something that had been really been done before so I, I think that's why it felt so stressful on top of the fact it just is a lot of products in a lot a few months it's a fun game I mean it still has the it it, it does still have the whole like. Yeah, it's pricey to go into it as a full-on competitive fair, much more so than something like an LCG, but there's a lot more, like, I guess, at least interesting pre-constructed deck sort of options. Yeah. And I do have to say, it is really, it is kind of mind-boggling, but, like, yeah, Magic has now been, right, so Magic's at, like, 26 or 27 years now. Magic has now been around long enough that, which I never would have... I. I never could have even fathomed this when I started playing Magic back in high school. Magic has now been around long enough that I am getting back into Magic because my kid is interested in it. I Right. <laughs> well, there, there were definitely a period of years where that looked like it was maybe not going to happen, right? So, it, you know, it's it's been a very lucky and also very skillfully driven. And people clearly have a lot of love for it. It's not like there was ever a time when you would ask me, like, oh, do you think magic is about to die? And I would have said yes. I mean, there was, I don't think there's ever been that sort of time. It's just, when you think about everything else in the gaming industry, there are, there are not that many things that have this sort of staying power in the, the same way, uh, especially because you really have to have a critical mass for a tournament-driven collectible game to stay functioning, yep. right? And you... And retain value. I want to say everything else but magic is basically worthless, but actually there's probably Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh nonsense that Correct. I don't even want to think about. I hope you don't have a Charizard you threw away at some point. <laughs> I never... It, the, the reason I thought that maybe I would end up in Pokemon was only because that seemed like a sort of thing that, like, you do with your kid. I know that there are, like, look, I, I know that there are plenty of, like, grown adults who play Pokemon, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, Pokemon's a pretty simplistic game. Even if you set aside the whole, uh, I don't know, the disjoint, like, the, the kind of weirdly wrecked it for me as a, like, what would a kid do with this? Like, I just... It's really burdened with some archaic mechanics, like archaic mechanical framework stuff. Like, I, I don't know, like the way that the energy works and the just all these cards that don't have a resource cost. I have to say, out of out of all the stuff that there was in like in the '90s CCG boom, which is part of the reason why you just you would have thought like, well, Magic. I mean, everything else came and went, and yet, I mean, Magic still there, Lord of it all, but. Just the fact that, like, stuff had costs. There were just so many games that came back out then where just, just stuff was free. Right. And that's just always been an, an issue where you have... I, I mean, I the, the, the biggest example I always go to use is the Decipher Star Trek CCG, which I played a bunch. It, but it was so hampered by the fact that everything was... Like, you got to play one card a turn of certain card types and so and then you got to just do whatever you wanted with the other things. So that game was so permanently crippled in a lot of ways by the fact that by that resource structure, by the fact that everything was either the one thing you got to do in a turn 
or was just free. Uh, and it makes it impossible to balance effects. I, I get what you're saying, and I think you're right, especially about Pokemon. Like, basically, the only way that they can structure their game is either linear strategies or disruption. And that's basically it. That's all you can really do, unless they start adding things like some other way of winning, right? But it's so fast to win in that game, you, you don't really want to bother with it. I think there are other games like like uh, the Keyforge that came out, where, which showed that you can do costless or like different costs. But it, it's always dangerous, and the fact is, the uh, the times when magic breaks are always when they remove costs from. The big talk right now is that Hogak or something in that Hogak deck is probably going to get banned, or possibly because they've reduced the cost on it. Like you get a whole bunch of stuff for free, and so any time in a card game you can do that, exactly like you're saying, it, it causes problems. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, to to be excessively old school again with a, yeah like that. That reminds me of Affinity for Artifacts and Meriden Block. Yeah. Yeah. That, um... Which is funny because the affin- current modern Affinity deck runs no Affinity. <laughs> so many of these decks have been around for so long, they're, like, named for mechanics or things that they used to do, and the deck just changed, but they never changed the name, so the name has nothing to do with what the deck currently does. <laughs> it's just... Uh, sorry, I just... I, I find that hysterical. It's so good. I mean, I probably would have said this about magic in general a couple of years ago, so I don't know that this statement has any meaning, but like, man, I cannot, I just don't think I could get back into modern. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I basically, the, the thing is for me, and we'll see how this works out, I have basically decided that like, look, here's this old thing that I have a lot of nostalgia for that's really fun, and my kid is interested in it, and I'm okay with spending money in a way that is more expensive than just like buying a board game and making decks with the stuff that we got and right. and being like here's a box and that's what you were going to mess around with and we'll buy these boutique products but you know i don't plan to get into the whole like let's tune and like go play in real tournaments and you know if we buy singles it'll be because we you know, decide to do something insane like, oh, let's have a copy of every Planeswalker. Even then, I mean, right, that's, as a collection thing, I'm like, yeah, right, you know, that's going to go in a binder, and at least if, if, you know, we do something like, uh, I don't know how much she's going to be or anything like that, but like, let's say we went out and like, I bought a couple of the Mythic Rare Chandra from Corset 2020, the the eight-year-old would immediately be putting those in a deck, because like, Chandra's the best! Chandra Tribal's a deck. Like her, her uh, ultra rare, rare, and uncommon are all good. But anyway, sorry. So in the pre-release, uh, the eight-year-old opened the uncommon, and it's an uncommon. So I assume, but can you know not have any heartburn getting as many of those as one would want. I opened a copy of the rare. Sadly, we did not open the mythic. And then, of course, there's the Planeswalker version. So, I mean, we've already got three... We already put three Chandras from the same set in one deck. Yep. <laughs> Not, uh, <laughs> we'll see. Maybe we'll... Like I said, we... I have the box. It's sitting there. I also bought the... Because... Because, God help me. I bought the bundle. And mm-hmm. I went with the... And, and I... So, the bundles in past... It seems like the bundles in past sets were just like basically here's 10 packs and lands and 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 lands which you don't need because one of the reasons i i ordered this one is because they 
is because half of them were like foil lands, right. and they had like the the special alt art version of the Chandra's regulator. Because I'm apparently a giant sucker. It's, oh yeah, yeah. These are things that I like. That I I grant may not be. I I like like having the little card box themed for the set. I like the little physical printed out book visual spoiler of the set. Right. That they they come with, and they're really like I. That my eight-year-old will sit there. We we have one of those because for War of the Spark because I knew he liked the Planeswalkers, which we literally bought. Like I didn't buy the War of the Spark bundle. I, I literally just bought the player's guide so he could look at it. Right. And he'll man, he's just so fixated on that right now. We'll be like looking through cards. We'll be like, that one's in my book, and that one's in my book. Like <laughs> I just want to be but, like, yes, they're they're in War of the Spark. I get it. Uh, uh, I, I don't know, but it, it kind of works like the the old check sheet cards they give you in the trading cards, right? Not even like just the games, but like baseball cards or whatever. They you'd always get the check sheet cards. It's like here's the list of all the cards, and you could like check them off or whatever. I, I remember, I, I don't think well, Magic didn't come out until I was actually just straight up older than Benjamin. But I, I you know, fairly young, got the they you know they printed that book, only fifteen or sixteen, so I mean not that young, but they printed the book up to like Chronicles, maybe they came out and it was like all the Magic Park cards they had ever printed. And I got that book, and it was, you know, it was a visual thing for all of the different sets. I mean, I loved looking. It's, I don't know why, it's just so much fun. I would totally buy a book. If they made a book, I mean, obviously it would be cost-dependent, but if, if they were going to print a book that was like, here's just a book, goes set through set with images of every magic card ever, like, you know, big glossy art book style, maybe, I mean, nine cards a page or something like that, I'd totally buy that. Yeah, they haven't done that. They they do art of sets. Yes. So I actually I right now I have three of those. A while ago I bought the uh, it was like Legends and something. I I crud I'm blanking on it, but it's it's basically here's the old stuff. This particular one came in a little box set and it had a couple of prints. Although it's funny that of course the it, it, what it has is it has these double-sided prints. Like, here's the modern picture, and here's the older picture of a card for something that's been reprinted. And it, it's amusing to me that, like, the quote-unquote old picture for Sarah Angel's one of them, and the quote-unquote old picture, it's like, no, that's the new picture. <laughs> <laughs> like, where's the actual old picture? Because it, yeah, we've got that, and I got the Dominaria one because, you know, history. Right. And. Uh, my eight-year-old, he likes the Eldrazi, so I got the Zendikar one. Sure. I'll probably get all of them eventually, but that's what I have right now. I pre-ordered the visual history of the Gatewatch. I think that comes out in the immediate future now. I don't remember because I pre-ordered it a bit ago. I Just to kind of wrap it back up in, the Planeswalkers are the... They were specifically introduced, I think, for like ongoing story purposes and being able to do stuff like that. And yeah, at least from my narrow, you know, my personal point of view, it's been wildly successful. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it has, and that's like the, the, the. I think they had an ongoing struggle, and you've seen that in this set going back into 2020. It's kind of starting a war of the spark, even a little bit before then of that they know that Planeswalkers overall are a good thing for the game. Because exactly like you said, and exactly like they were me always meant to be, they're a face that you can attach to, right? There's somebody you can root for. 
And War of the Spark, I think, was wildly successful at that because you actually kind of cared about what happened in War of the Spark, which when has that ever really happened in Magic? When did they give you a named character like Gerard or whoever that you could actually care for in some way? They realized, oh, these characters are what people can attach to. But they also realized they had a problem with Planeswalkers because they had a uh, a pattern that they made them in that made them kind of tough to print very many of them. And with War of the Spark, obviously, they had to get around that. and you know, it, Mark Rosewater talks about it a little bit, even if you look at the, all of the mythic rare planeswalkers for this set, right? None of them really have a ultimate down tick. I instantly win the game. The strongest is probably Mu Yanling. Mu Yanling has like the closest with her minus all of your islands draw, uh, t- have tap draw card. <laughs> That's the closest to just straight up winning the game, but it still doesn't like actually win you the game, right? Mm hmm. All of the ones they've put out, they've focused much more on they have a good but not too bad, like not too strong of a plus or zero effect. They have a decent minus effect, and their ultimates are almost all like a good thing, but not like a I win the game thing, right? Like Soren is, you can immediately do it. That's the other thing is that they're like, okay, we're going to make the planeswalkers less fle- more flexible, but we're going to make it less where you just win the game if you have them enough turns on the board. I think the effect is you can drop them down to like rare and uncommon and it's not going to blow up a meta, right? It's it's not going to destroy it. And so that's really good. So that's a really good balance to have now, right? You can have good, interesting cards. And for the most part, War of the Spark basically was that. There were a few that are standout, especially Narset. Narset's just, <laughs> Narset's just a crazy card because that card gets played in Legacy and Modern because it's so good. But other than that, Nothing has really overtaken. They're you're used heavily, but they're not like super dominant for the most part. So, so that's a really good place to be, right? You have these faces that you want people to to like and want to be able to put in their deck, and they put in their deck, and they're not making the deck actively worse. It usually is helping the deck, and you're not putting in a million win conditions that makes magic kind of because planeswalkers do act very differently from every other magic card, right? And they were designed much later, so you you can kind of see that. I just think that's. You know, all of that is a really good design space, and they hit a pretty sweet spot with it with 2020, I think. Like, yeah. Anyways. Sorry, I think that kind of ties in with what you were saying with the Planeswalkers. (laughs) Okay. We've been talking about the Magic the Gathering 2020 core set and a variety of stuff around that. The set, I think, officially releases on the... 19th, but as this is being released, the the pre-release weekends are over, and and that's been out. They had an open house a couple weeks before release, where you could get the Planeswalker decks, and then this weekend they had the the pre-release events, and then next weekend is the actual formal release of it. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you can get your podcast. If you have a podcast service that you uh, are not able to find the Strange Assembly podcast on, please drop me a line and I'll see if I can rectify that. You can reach me at chris at strangeassembly.com. I always like to hear your comments, criticisms, feedback, etc. One of the other places that you can subscribe to the podcast is on our website, which is www.strangeassembly.com. You can also check in with us at the usual social media spots. We are at Strange Assembly on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly, and Strange Assembly on Instagram. Again, always, uh, just like I like to get your emails, always 
like to get your contact on social media if you have anything that you want to let us know about or just say hey. But until then, for Mike Cook, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.